and welcome back to a very special Vox Podcast, but not in that way. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Wayne and Hannah and Monica. How's it going, guys? Hey, Mav. Hey. Hey. Oh, We're here hanging out in your room at PCA. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that very specific room. <laughs> okay, so for people who don't understand this, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about this conference that we were all doing, and now we're at the conference, but the virtual conference, um, the last time we did it in person, we did this thing where we had a, a special, you know, just sort of hang out at Mav's room and talk about, like, PCA, like the after party kind of thing where, you know, where we just kind of drank beer and talked about the experience. And I wanted to do that again, but we don't have a room because, you know, it's virtual. So room, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so we just invited some people that we met at the conference and some people that we'd known already. So we've invited a lot of people to hang out with us and just sort of talk about what they did this last week. And, you know, we're going to try to give everybody, all of our listeners, the, you know, the PCA conference experience, which, you know, basically is responsible for this show even existing. So that's what we're doing for the next hour. There might be people coming and showing up as we go there might not i'm not sure we'll see <laughs> so just going around introducing people that that i know from pca and i'll just let you ex- tell people who you are uh fee welcome oh, hi yeah thank you so much for <laughs> for having me on the show and or in your pca room uh, yeah. i'm fee i'm a phd candidate at the university of florida nice thanks for coming and i've known you yeah. for a couple of years from this basically yeah, yeah from this uh, but but only digitally. I don't think we've ever been physically yeah, at the PCA. Have you had you have you been to the conference physically before or no? When it was in DC, but I went on the okay. like mystery and detection track. So okay. not as a, a comics person. I only yeah. discovered yeah. Yeah, that was I my first, been there. That was my yeah. first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been to I think twelve, I think, this year. <laughs> so wow. A, yeah, I've been coming <laughs> for a while. Also, we have returning from our, our PCA show last year. Maggie, welcome back. Hi. And this is my this was my second PCA and I kind of did a piecemeal because I got a new job, moved to a new city and lost my grandfather all in the same two weeks. This Ooh, past oh, two weeks, wow. so it's literally been. So this is the only day I've really been able to do PCA, but I'm so glad I did it because it's so much fun. Okay, good. Oh, sorry to hear that. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. Okay. And then our our very first guest ever from the very first Vox podcast, John Duroski. He keeps coming okay. back. I don't, I don't oh, get yeah. it. <laughs> Hey, John. Hello. And as your first guest, it's very important that I'm always here at this annual meeting for the State of the Pop cast. (laughs) (laughs) And one more person I want to introduce is our newest guest who I met this week at PCA. Caitlin. Hi. Hi. So, yeah, this is my hi. This is my first PCA conference. Yay. Um, <laughs> no, I'm really excited. No, I've had a blast, even though it's been virtual. So it's mm-hmm. awesome. I am a graduate student at the University of Finley. I did my presentation over a comic book, but not in the comics category. So. <laughs> did you know about comic studies when you signed up? I did. Okay. It, I did it in the women's studies category because it was about menstruation. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So. About the work, so you did the cat story. I assume you did. Man uh, eaters, yeah. Yes, thank you. Man eaters from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
And and just I guess so the listeners know that because this is virtual, you know, a lot of us work and whatever. I haven't sat in on a whole lot of the sessions. They're all recorded, so I, this is also a way for me to find out things I didn't know existed and can go back and watch. So. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so this is very free form this week. You know, we usually have a topic as our listeners know, no topic this week. This is literally just sort of catching up with people who we either met at the conference or us and talk about cool shit that we saw. So that's what, that's what we're doing. So, you know, what you guys like? I, I don't know. Actually, Caitlin, it was your first one ever. So, you know, and you said you enjoyed it. What'd you see besides your own thing? I mean, I think that what I like most about the conference is that you can pick what you want to go to and and there's such a variety of topics and genres and there's so much that that you can find something right mm-hmm. so it's not like uh at noon there's this one presentation and i don't really want to go to it <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna find something yeah so it's that's, that's the really great thing and like when i saw that Art Spiegelman was going to be here, I freaked out. So that's probably the like, that's the thing. Yeah, I never forget it. So my seven-year-old was freaking out, right? So that's how big he is in our home. So you got to watch. So he got to watch it on TV, I guess, with you or on your laptop or something. The same way, because I guess he wouldn't have normally he wouldn't have normally seen it if we'd done it in person. That's kind of neat. Yeah, she. Was, <laughs> yeah, she was popping in and out. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. If she has a question, that'd be awesome too. <laughs> Uh, we have, and speaking of people just showing up, as I said, this is really, we're in my hotel room. That's what we're doing. At PCA. So, so my co-host from my other podcast, who's been on the show before, but Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Hey, sorry, I'm late. I went to the Google meet because I'm an idiot and didn't read the file. <laughs> that happens literally every episode. Though. You, you, you in somebody else's room, didn't you? <laughs> waiting for someone to let me in. Check <laughs> this. I'm a professional smart person. <laughs> you're, you're a professional smart person who has another podcast where that happens to us over there too. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Google creates. Uh, so for the listeners, when we schedule these, and then I send everybody a Google invite, and we don't use Google Meet as like our software. No podcaster does. But Google just helpfully creates a Google Meet room for you every time you create an invite with more than two people. And none of us want it. It's not a thing that I want. (laughs) And I turn it off. You can manually turn it off. But then, like, if you ever edit anything, it turns itself back on because, you know, they really want you to, like, start using Google Meet. And no, we're not going (laughs) to. If you're listening, Google Meet, cut it out. <laughs> it's quite possible. I know somebody who works on it. <laughs> like, so I don't know who else. Fee, what, what did you, as, you know, having seen the presentation, but Fee, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what did I do? So I was doing a little bit of a process paper. So I was talking about a course that I taught on comics nonfiction and then how Linda Berry's syllabus was particularly mm. accessible and useful to my students for getting them sort of drawing and thinking in what another panelist on the panel I was on, Amy Valentine, called sort of comics as methodology. Super lucky in terms of who I was on a, a panel with, right? Because it was all this really great stuff about collaboration and how we can build collaboration. I got to bring in like, well, and I worked with my students on comics too. So it felt like a really great sort of synchrony of what folks were working on. 
Also, that was a really great panel. I really enjoyed both your presentation and everyone else's. It was so good. <laughs> oh, that's so kind. That's so wonderful to hear. Yeah, I was so impressed by my, my co-presenters. And I think it was a really well put together panel. I assume that's Nicole who puts together the panels each year as the area head and always does an amazing job putting together yeah. panels that really make sense. Yeah, Nicole would be here, except I'm assuming she's asleep in her room. <laughs> I always feel, so, yeah, I mean, our listeners know Nicole's one of our most frequent guests. And, you know, every time we do PCA, it's like, oh, I'd love to have her on, but she does not have time. She's, no. <laughs> she's clearly, but I don't know. I, I guess we should tell, we can tell people what we all did for the regulars. We'll, we should um, talk about. So I don't know. Hannah, what'd you do? I, I'm just going to go in the order that I saw them actually present it. So, okay. Well, first of all, this is the first time all of us present in the comics area. That's true. Yeah, it was my first time presenting the comics area. I was fortunate enough to be on a panel where we talked about not just the Eternals, which is what I talked about. As if you listen to last week's show, you, you heard my basic argument that the Eternals matches really well with Darwin evolutionary theory and that's interesting. But like one of our regular guests, TK, presented on the Eternals and mythology. And then we had another panelist, Jonathan, talk about like, the MCU and the Cyberverse and like the different like philosophical alignments with like each like cinematic like like uh interpretation of the different like Marvel versus DC comics so like our papers aligned really well together and I think we had a really productive conversation because I I felt like as like each of us went I was like oh yeah that makes sense with my paper yes that also yeah. makes sense with my paper so it was really fun and also like it was really like nice I I, I have to emphasize how like nice PCA is because like I presented like the game section and now the comic mm. section everyone was like really supportive even though I was like uh I just like got into the Eternals because of like the MCU thing like I haven't read all the comics it's fine right and everyone was like yeah it's fine <laughs> yeah, awesome. I, yeah I, I did get to see you and, and TK I'm gonna go back I haven't heard the third part of that yet just that I, I, last time I checked Wednesday's videos are the only things that are currently up so yeah yeah so I haven't been able to go back and see a lot of them yet. yeah I, I mean I guess we don't really need to go all that into detail with ours because you know we did talk last episode for, about for like eight hours <laughs> but, we were, but i did a good job editing that down to <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I, I mean well last week was our workshop show where we came up with the ideas and i mean I've now seen everybody, so I thought we did a pretty good job of taking each other's feedback. So that was neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hannah, I, I, I thought you did a great job with yours. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Monica it was also your first PCA. What'd you think? It was my first PCA. I, I definitely really appreciated the breadth of programming. I think as somebody who usually like when I attend other conferences because I lean more as a pop culture scholar, sometimes like. There's not, I like being able to interact and not that I don't love learning from other people because otherwise why would we be in this discipline, right? Mm -hmm. But I like being able to directly connect and interact and pull threads together with things that I'm Mm -hmm. interested in or have background in. And I feel like it makes that much richer of a discussion. And I'm not always able to do that at some of the other conferences (laughs) I attend. And I really felt connected threads being much longer here even between panelists on the same panel like i knew that wayne and i have things in common or we wouldn't be co-hosts on a podcast together but to actually actually sit and look at the ways that we are engaging with different theorists who are thinking through the same theories in such articulated ways of 
I mean, actually hearing each other present, because this is the first time that I've ever heard uh, a paper by, by Wayne or any of my other co-hosts. And to really see this, like, we talk about all these things abstractly, but when we formally put them all together, the way they connect was just this really wonderful moment for me. So all around, a positive experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I just mentioned briefly that this is my second PCA. I'm not in the comics group, but I read graphic novels frequently. Right. I This year, I usually present when I present and write and, and publish on horror. But this year I presented on the show Succession, which I've been oh. obsessed with for the past. Never seen it. It's so good. And I talked about homosociality in the show, especially between two characters. And it just, we had a small panel, but both of the people I presented with did amazing work. One per- person presented on P Valley, which is a show I now have to watch. And the other person talked about libertarianism in Breaking Bad, which was fascinating. And, uh, but, uh, you know, as my first go around not doing horror, it was, I felt a little bit out of my element. But everybody was just so supportive. And I think that's what I love about PCA is that you have such a wonderful, supportive community here. You know, I'm sure that there are people who are judgmental or speak after the panel only to hear themselves speak. But for the most part, I don't for the most part, I, I don't get that vibe from people. And I made friends last year at PCA that came to my panels to my panel this year, which meant so much to me. Yeah. I mean, I guess one of the things that I really like about PCA in general is that I'm not going to say there aren't people who can't be like that. I think one thing that was nice about, you know, virtual world is everyone who I've encountered sort of really wanted to be here this time, (laughs) as opposed to there are occasional people at PCA or at any conference who are there just for the, you know, for the CV line. And the, it was extremely supportive this time. So, and last time, last year as well. So that's the nice part about, about virtual conferences. And also like Wayne said, you know, I love being able to just kind of the zoom format makes it even easier for me to just sort of teleport around and see different stuff as opposed to when it's in person. I'm just, there's times where I'm like, let me just walk down this hallway and see what people are talking about. But it's harder to do that when you can't, you know, when you have to go find stuff. Yeah. No, no, I was just going to say that, you know, there's stuff on the schedule that I'm interested in that conflicts with comics things I'm more interested in, but this allows me to go back and, and watch that stuff. The norm of recording really can help with that too, right? Like there's comic stuff that I wanted to see, but other stuff that I was like, well, I'm curious about this because I know a lot of comic stuff is recorded. I'm like, oh, okay, I can come back to it. Mm-hmm. So I think mean, that's something that's uh, really lovely. I know there's reasons it can't always happen in person conferences, but I think it's a really fun thing about Pathable, right? That it has this limited time that the recordings are available so you can really play catch up. Yeah. Although it can be tempting to spend too much time, right? And just be like, okay, I'm going to watch PCA TV all weekend. Why not? <laughs> just watch yeah, that's I mean, true, right? Worst things to do. I'll say this is like the first paper that I've talked about to people who are not like in my field who are like, you know what, Hannah? I want to read your thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, you know, I, I made an accessibility copy and I gave it to them. <laughs> And they weren't like they weren't attendees of the conference. And some of them messaged me like in the middle of the conference. And they were like, Hannah, I read your thing. I enjoyed it. And that's the first time like a, a quote normal person has ever been like, I wonder. <laughs> for, for clarification, I come from Victorian studies. So no one's like, Hannah, I want to know what Thomas Hardy is about, you know? 
I want to know what Thomas Hardy is about. What's that guy's deal? <laughs> he was very depressing. Yeah. He's short for him. Sad, sad guy. And, yeah. Andrew, we've talked about this before. You and I, oh, a little bit on our other show, but like mostly just between you and I, like the, the need for public scholarship and stuff. Yeah. And like, how do you make that happen? Like, how do you make people care about you know, this nerdy stuff we do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a lot of like breaking down of gatekeeping is sort of the more institutional project. And then yeah. getting scholars who are willing to speak outside of the academy, right? And to reach a broader audience. So no, PC mm-hmm. is great for that. It brings a lot of different people in, a lot of different ideas cross-pollinating, as everybody has said. I, I mean, that, that size is intimidating because there's so much happening. Um, Where are you? You weren't at, you weren't in the comics group either, even though you sort of probably should have been, but weren't. No, I, I was a cat. Okay, so I proposed a course on sexuality in comics for a health humanities program that's being launched at the University of Waterloo. And they just kept saying no to me because they said sexuality wasn't health. And I was like, nope, sexuality is health. It absolutely is. And eventually they caved in. And then one of the directors said, have you seen that PCA has a health humanities section? And I was like, oh, okay. I guess I have to go there this year. Yeah. <laughs> It was fun. I got to do um, gender dysphoria uh, and its relationship to YA graphic novels, where we're seeing things, you know lumberjanes and Nimona and all that kind of cool stuff. So I was basically presenting on books that I, I read to my daughters at bedtime. Cool. <laughs> okay, so can we just talk about? Sorry, the fact yeah. that somebody said that sexuality is not health. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> happens. Yeah, Academia's so screwed up. <laughs> well, there were sure. no people on the committee. There were just humanities people. And I'm like, you don't have anybody with a medical background? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, this kind of explains a lot. Um, maybe yeah. they needed to take the class, like maybe have it available to them as well. <laughs> oh, they, they were very nice and they were reasonable and they listened to me when I talked to them. And, and I was very obstinate and I said, you can reject my course if you want, but just know that we disagree on this definition. Mm-hmm. And eventually they just said, okay, sure. I mean, that's sort of so the really cool. nice affirming thing about there being a pop culture association and place for pop culture studies because I feel like this argument does not sound new to me or this ability to need to fight to like be taken I I don't want to say like be taken seriously but kind of be taken seriously is a space in which I think all of us have experienced within academia and so this and especially as someone like I'm a fashion historian who specializes in comics I've really built myself an uphill battle of every conference I go to, I have to sort of justify why this is worthy of scholarship or presentation before I can even get started to any of the material. And this time I didn't have to do that because we're all kind of on the same page about these things being worthy of analysis and discussion and having greater merit beyond them being mass media. Uh, so I just feel like that's a really nice benefit for this space to exist. Yeah, I think that's something Mav and I've talked about on GGW, too. The idea that comic scholarship has a real problem with apologism that we need to move. I just want to point out we have another person who just wandered into my hotel room that this show is Uh-oh. being taped in. You're in trouble now. <laughs> no, <it's fine. laughs> okay. Stephanie, my wife, is just talking. Yeah, um, just me. Also, somebody who's this is your first PCA as well. 
Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> well, your first people, well, like academic conferences in general are always weird because, you know, they're expensive. Hannah, you've talked about how inaccessible, mm-hmm. like what we do can be. They're expensive. And I've seen people write, you know, make sure you, know, you want to attend, you have to join and you have to do it. It's like a hundred bucks, like to just kind of come and listen to smart people. And like, seriously, we should be ecstatic whenever anybody cares enough about what we're doing to come and listen. <laughs> you know, like I am, I love that. I'm astounded every week that people listen to me on the internet. Like, yeah, (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, people. And whatever, you know, for this show, for the other show, whenever anybody like tweets at me or or comments on the day, I'm I'm like, wow, people actually care about my dumb ideas. (laughs) Well, isn't it the case that they can't avoid hearing you on the internet because you're on every podcast? Every podcast, every week. I mean, (laughs) yes, that's true. I mean, like that would be so exhausting if I actually were, but but, but, but I, I had a podcast before this. I used to do this photography podcast a few years back and, you know, it was listened to by people who were into photography and that's it. And now I do, you know, a show that or two shows that are not just listened to by academics. And I think that's great because I'm, I'm doing academic issues. But then the fact that people actually care about what we do is amazing to me. So I'm glad and I'm glad to meet people, you know, half the people on this show today. Today, I met through this conference in one way or another. So that's awesome because it means I get to hear like ideas about, you know, menstruation in comic books or, you know, or why sexuality is health. Because Andrew, I mean, we host the show, but I met you at a PCA three years ago. That's how I met Andrew. So <laughs> that's really wonderful about PCA in that way, right? Is that it's also yeah. it's more, I think, more than a lot of academic conferences accessible to independent scholars and to like scholar practitioners i was sort of Mm -hmm. sneaking around to other tracks right and i went to one of the visual art tracks and there were a bunch Mm -hmm. of like working artists who were presenting Mm -hmm. their work who were some of them had academic appointments some of them didn't right so it was and you see that some at other conferences the uf conference makes sure that we're like yes we want independent scholars and scholar practitioners and i think comic studies generally is is pretty good about recognizing fan labor and fan (laughs) academics but i think pca especially I don't know if make space is the right word, but like understands how important practitioner, creator, fan scholarship is to pop culture studies. Stuff you're, I mean, so stuff is an academic technically, but like every comic, but every, you've never done pop culture academia before. You've done lots of psychology. Yes. And by the way, this cheaper registration than your typical psychology conference. (laughs) I was actually amazed. But that said, like you, you talked about, you know, I mean, you were worried about coming and doing this because you're like, I've never done like pop culture studies before, but you've talked about how welcoming you thought it was. Yeah. I just like the people in this world. They're very nice. (laughs) They're not like, it's more of, I don't know. It just feels more like a community rather than competition. Like you can edit that maybe, but (laughs) I don't know. I I just enjoy it. compared to I, I everyone's just trying to prove how smart they are in a psychology conference which i guess that's, i don't know that's a lot of i mean i, I won't edit it because that's a lot of academic conferences for us too mm, for okay. uh, literary studies cultural studies i this remains my favorite and i, I shouldn't say it's all i'm not going to name names as to which ones are good and which ones are bad but this is always my favorite just because everyone's so supportive and mm-hmm. everyone's, you know, I presented this year on Lost Girls, a book that I knew <laughs> most of my audience would not have read. And, you know, and the ones who had read it, I knew a lot of them are going to be like, really? It, the, the thing is crap. 
you know, so so I was so like so it was an upset, it was an uphill battle, and I sort of you know I liked the feedback I got, and people took me seriously, people took what I said seriously, so it was fun, and and I don't know that I wouldn't have tried that as even a topic at some other places. I would like yeah. there's some other places where I'm like I'm I'm not gonna try to yeah. I, 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 know, I, I know Maggie read that. Matt, can, I just, can I just say that I appreciated that you had like a disclaimer okay. at the beginning. That was content warning. That, yeah, that was a really <laughs> thorough <laughs> disclaimer. Yeah, like yeah, that was awesome. not, not not so much just about the graphic photos because I mean people might care, but I don't care. But about the like conservative pundits, it was like so funny <laughs> and self aware, mm-hmm. and I loved it so much. Yeah, okay, I mean, I, yeah. I was just gonna say I I wrote a paper in undergrad for. Wayne's comic book class on Lost Girls. And I, with what little money I had, I went out and paid $50 to get this book because I literally could not get it from a library. Yeah. It, it, it was only available. I had to order it through Phantom of the Attic. And then I was like, I opened it up and I was like, oh my God, what have I done? What have I spent my money on? Something else. I have a copy. Steph and I, uh, Steph and I used to live with my, oh, Mike's been on the show. My friend Mike, who's been on the show, he was our roommate for a while. And for Christmas, he got it for me because he's like, you're never going to buy this for yourself. And he's like, and he, and he also like, he was, you know, I hope it's good because it was super expensive for what it is. And then they read it and it's like, oh, it is not. But, but well, again, I think I, I actually, Maggie, I believe it was you. I, I mentioned it, uh, that I was challenged last year to do something with mm-hmm. it. And, and Maggie's the one who challenged me to it. So I was like, and I was just thinking, but I, but I thought about it and I was like, no, I really think there's something there. I, I, I really do. And then I was working with it. And when the thing about the pundits, about the conservative pundits happened, that's when it really clicked for me. So Hannah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm going to try and get the presentations by us, the hosts of the show. I'm going to try to put them on our YouTube channel for everybody to say that might be the show next week. In fact, so, so people can hear what we actually did. I'm not going to do all of PCA because PCA would get mad at me because, you know, yeah. people didn't pay their hundred dollar tickets. <laughs> but, yeah. Although I don't know, we, you know, we all technically own like we can do this because our presentations are ours. Yes. If any of the rest of you want to run it up on our YouTube channel, you can give us permission and we'll yeah. do so. But yeah, that, but, but I'm glad people enjoyed it because I'm not even sure how I'm going to do mine on YouTube because like mine has a lot of nudity in it. They're like, they're like really a lot. I was trying to make a I was trying to make a point as I was doing it. I was like, and I didn't say this because I it would have ruined it. But like if you get to the end of my talk, I was literally trying to like it's like if I'm gonna do this, what if I go overboard and I just completely desensitize people to the fact that I'm that, that like because like I, I, I would I would do a bunch of them and then I just take a pause and like let's just show some Disney photos and then I do some more and it's a pause and like that's where I put in like the pictures of Ben Shapiro. And, and Candace Owens and I'm like I know no one likes them but it's a little bit of a breather and then it was just yeah. and, then, and then I just did a flurry of these images which related to what I was talking about but like the last slide that I show is like you know Dorothy from Oz and Wendy from Peter Pan just absolutely railing Alice in Wonderland with strap on dildos and, then, and like no one commented on it like you know everybody was just like yeah okay it's lovely yeah we were sensitized by it. <laughs> I mean what are you gonna say though like <laughs> Malv I want to point out that today actually I got an Alice in Wonderland board game in the mail from like Kickstarter <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Anybody else see anything cool that's not in our, our comics group? Because we were talking about, you know, going to other stuff. And I got to go to a couple. And then, Monica, you got me to go to one. Yes. Which, was <laughs> which I really want to talk about. Yeah. And especially because we talk about, like, not needing to be the smartest person in the room and how inclusive PCA is. My favorite thing that I went to this week was a show and tell in which people who have collections were just showing us cool things from their collections. But these collections were not necessarily also these people's areas of expertise. These were just potentially like their hobby collections. And the best one that I saw was a girl who collects typewriters, but not just typewriters, electronic Barbie typewriters, because when they licensed the technology for these Barbie typewriters, it included a coding function, but then they took the coding function out of the instructions because they thought like girls wouldn't want to learn how to code. And so then a bunch of people were accidentally like tripping the coding function on their Barbie typewriters and thinking they were broken and then throwing them out. And then these Barbie typewriters became super rare and collectible. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and, but she's not like a typewriter expert or like it's just her hobby is that she like collects and refurbishes and resells typewriters and i was just riveted by this information (laughs) everyone else had an equally like interesting niche like one woman she was a former librarian who had a bunch of pop-up books and a bunch of her pop-up books had stamped inside like property of disney animation do not remove and like (laughs) possession as like like disney contraband like it was just the idea that we can all share in the joy of pop culture as pop culture without like it needing to be our area of expertise or scholarship yeah. was mm-hmm. just so incredibly there, refreshing there, there seems to be a lack of the pretentious snobbery i associate with a mm-hmm. lot of academic conferences yes and, uh, <laughs> on some level we kind of all know that we're wasting our lives <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not really. I, mean, I, yeah. I had I had a real job. I didn't like it. <laughs> John, what about you? You haven't uh, talked in a while. You're our very first guest, and you've been doing you've been doing PCA about as long as I have. So, like, I guess of everybody on the show today, we're probably the longest tenured here. Yes, yeah, so I think it actually might be a little longer than you. Uh, I, I, well, like, yeah, because I I went once and then I stopped going. But I think my first one was my first PCA ever would have been 2009, I think. I might be 2008. So it's been going good. Check my CV to see when I actually started. <laughs> it's like, it's like, when did you start going to this? Uh, I have to like check the sheet of paper. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I presented on oh. a, a storyline in Punisher where he became a Frankenstein monster. Yeah. <laughs> and this was a condensed version of an essay for a book I co-edited that's right now coming out in August. And we had to get a final revision draft to the publishers the same day I was presenting. <laughs> <laughs> Did you make any changes based on the presentation? That would have been amazing. It was like, oh, no. no. This was, uh, yeah, I had written it a month ago, and so it was, let me just condense this and present. And so like, one of the people listening in did contact me and said, hey, I, did, you know, I just did a bibliography of Frankenstein Comics for the International Journal of Comics Art, and you know, if that would be helpful. I'm like, I'm very interested in that. It's not going to help my essay right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
we got the revision copy that had to be sent out that's at the level where you can't change anything that would move yeah, up these are typos yeah, yeah. it's typos and punctuation but if you try and put in another sentence that will throw off the pagination you can't do that yeah <laughs> i'm so interested how did the Punisher, how did that happen? How did the Punisher become... <laughs> like, I'm, I'm Frankenstein is so one of my... There's the end comic reason, and then there's the business reason. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the in comic reason? Dark Reign, where villains basically got put in charge uh, because Norm House, during the Green Goblin, stopped an alien invasion. So he became head of national security and put all his friends in charge of national security. So you had all the villains running the show and the superheroes had to be underground. And so Punisher said, well, I'm going to assassinate Norman Osborn then. He tried and failed. And so Norman sent in Wolverine's son, Dakin, who dismembered Punisher. And, should, you know, he should have been dead. But then the monsters living under New York. I know it's all all this fun. It's so bad. Stuff. It is so bad. It is so bad. It is so bad. So bad. Uh, rescued all those parts and put them back together as the Frankenstein monster. Because <laughs> he was so... Yeah, I need to yeah. say that my personal brand has always been some version of like, I like it because it's bad. And it has always, yeah. if we're talking about like having to always apologize when you get up to do like a grad school presentation. Yeah. Like, and so to sit in a room of other people in Mav's hotel room of other people who were like, I like it because it's trash. is so <laughs> I, I would get up and apologize for presenting on this topic. I would apologize for how convoluted you have to get to explain. Mm-hmm. This is where we, how we get to that point of him being the yeah. same yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have never felt less academic than when I stood up for a presentation and had a professor go, and who are the X-Men? And I go, (laughs) you want me to describe superpowers to you? Question mark. Also, there are 12 movies. What? (laughs) (laughs) Just for having this conversation and the informal setting, I actually do have a question that I need some help with on research because I have that book, but I also have an essay that's supposed to be due today. I'm not going to get it done, but it's about early, very early supervillains in superhero comics. So really 38 and 39 is what I'm looking at. And so Superman had a villain called the Ultra Humanite. Yes. His first recurring enemy. Might or and, might not be Lex Luthor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. So his first appearance is a bald old scientist who, yes, looks some similarities to Lex Luthor. But then partway through the story, he dies, but then his brain is put into the body of a young actress. Yes. Since we have you know, experts on gender and sexuality here, what sort of terminology do I use for that? Because it's, you know, it's not trans, it's not drag. Is it like it's just a brain transplant. Coding? I mean, clearly not what, I think that's a Siegel and Schuster story, isn't it? Yeah. They're not thinking about the gen, I mean, they're thinking of the gender of it all because they think it's interesting to be like and what if this evil man was in this hot woman's body but i don't think they're thinking of it from no a gender space a right but i mean i think i think that whatever you do with it depends on your reading right because if that at the point at which you are doing an academic reading of you know 1939 action comics that's not intended it's supposed to be a story that is thrown away that's how Siegel and Schuster thought of the thought of these as you know very disposable stories so I think that whatever terminology you use if you want to argue 
that it has, you know, ramifications in gender studies as, you know, as a transgender reading of a character. I don't think that I don't think anybody who's going to read an article on this sort of thing is going to quibble with you. I think the people who are going to quibble with you are going to be the nerds who are going to be like, that. oh, that's not what happened there. And I, well, actually, I didn't, you know, fuck yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I also feel the need to point out that you know, eventually the ultra human I can bring got transplanted into a monkey, gi- yes. a giant white monkey. Yeah. That goes in the footnote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I can think of is the uh, Vince Vaughn movie where a teenage girl and a serial killer Freaky Friday their brains. Freaky. That was good, that actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we should. Oh God! I should say I'm not going to do a deep analysis about that transition from oh. brain in the woman's body. I think it's this is a sentence or two, but I want to make sure I have terminology somewhat correct. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. And this, and maybe this is a whole episode of Vox Pop, right? Because like, I, at some point, there's a question of you know, superhero comics and allow you weird questions about identity. Of Jason, I'm trying to think of what, what's it? Oh, I know, um, Andrew, you'll have thoughts here. The Psylocke question, right? Like, did Psylocke switch races, or you know, what's the? How do you? There's no analog of that in in real life. Like, I understand why people find it problematic that you turn this white lady into this Asian lady, but the concept of at the point at which Psylocke switches bodies, you know, she has 20 years of comic history in someone else's body. She has sex, you know, like things happen to where, you know, how much of this is a violation versus how much of this is just her trying to live her life in her new circumstances. And, you know, if we like, like one of my problems, I had severe problems with Wonder Woman 1984. We talked about it on this show mm-hmm. that like the fact that they decided to make Wonder Woman essentially a rapist in that in that movie rather because like hey your boyfriend's back but he's inhabited in another man's body and you're just gonna immediately have sex with it that's creepy and weird and i really don't like this and you know i know patty jenkins was like well that's the point i'm like i don't like the point no i don't don't want this (laughs) i also don't like the point i just want to emphasize that episode weirdly enough yeah and it's just like i get that you're doing a thing but like that it is it rape it feels rapey to me but on the other hand not really yes. because there's well no i mean just saying there's no situation in real life where i can put my brain in a body so like i know there's no direct analog but it feels like it and so i don't know what you would do you know like is this a is transplanting my brain into the body of a woman and that's my new circumstance is that me becoming transgender well not really but like well, I, I don't I, know I, I, I'm how else to relate it feminism, but that wasn't mm-hmm. really a thing then <laughs> right like, i don't know if it's <laughs> it doesn't matter what body you're in as long as the mind's there no where my where my mind goes is not i see the transgender argument here I, but i, I my mind I see that but the ultra humanity is not identifying as a woman so yeah. he, wants, he wants transition right. involuntarily <laughs> transgender it's convenient like if you're not my, doing a trans reading you don't want to like deploy the identity it, yeah. language there right because it's not an mm-hmm. identity so you don't identify question. yeah it's like an evil brain surgery question which yeah. may yeah. or may not or be an identity i'm not an evil neurosurgeon so i wouldn't know <laughs> <laughs> 
more recently of oh they're transgender therefore they're evil yeah right well mm-hmm. you know, ro- robot just man they're different they're evil and that's robot. not really what's going on here either and it would have been way too early for that kind of discussion anyway yeah, robot man in doom patrol is you know, his brain is transplanted into a sexless robot body he's still masculine in terms of his brain functions but mm-hmm. he is sexless in terms of actual his physical physicality. Body. And Morrison's run on that. He refers to himself as a complete amputee. Yeah. His entire body has been amputated. Crane. Oh, there's so much going on there. Yeah, yeah, there's so much going on there. Crane from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is just a brain and inhabits sort of a super muscular wearing like brief yeah. male body. So there might be there might be a subgenre we're identifying here, right? Of brain yeah, well, transplant. There there's an entire genre so, in comics of brains and jars being carried by monkeys. Brains being put into monkey bodies. So, yeah. so yeah. this situation to me kind of seems like it's sort of the exact situation of someone who feels gender dysmorphia. Is that yeah. like someone yeah. who is it feels like they're in the wrong gendered body? I mean, he happens I mean, to have been put in it, but yeah. he put himself in it. Still yes. that situation. Yeah. 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 Compunction about it is it's kind of like it's utilitarian for for yeah. ultra humanite. Yeah, it it's seems true. like it doesn't matter what body he. I'm also seeing the monstrization of women too. Mm-hmm. In this. Mm-hmm. Because she's yeah. the punishment. Like being in her body is the problem in many ways hmm. there. So mm-hmm. I, unless I he likes it. I just I want to point out the joy of an academic conference where we can have a serious conversation about brains and jars being carried by monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it seems like this is a for Sigon Trister a two issue arc and then uh, Ultra Humanite goes away to make way for Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. And Ultra Humanite doesn't seem bothered by being in this body. He doesn't doesn't seem to care what the body is as long as he can meet his goals. Mm-hmm. And keep using he and him. So does he like does he experience sexism? And is no, he, it's no? like I mean, it's, no, no, it's, oh, okay. it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's nineteen forty, right? It's like oh, okay. to draw a babe, right? Like the, yeah. the yeah, right motivation there. <laughs> might, be the, might be the more accurate approach of this was a way to have another woman in the comic beside Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or a, makes sense you know, for that a she's comic, a villain. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, this, is, this is another great thing about PCA. We're just basically, this con- conversation just came up and now this is going to be a show sooner or later. So, you know, like, leave us comments if you want us to address this because as soon as one of us gets around to writing a blog, this is absolutely going to be an episode of Box <laughs> is, is the, you know, the question, you know, body swapping the, yeah. the epi- episode or something. I don't know. I mean, we don't have <laughs> anything right. planned for May, so brains and jars it is. <laughs> Brains and jars. Let us know in the comments or tweet at us. What are your favorite stories about brains and jars? I mean, because I mean, or does it count for like you know Futurama, where all these, where they have the hall of heads or just in in things, you know, decapitated oracular heads are going to be a part of my Wiktiv book. So, ideally, not personal. Oh my god. Stories of brains and jars, right? This whole conversation took me to a place of like remembering Tumblr, and someone did a brilliant analysis of J.K. Rowling's like Polyjuice potion and how like Hermione turns into Harry, but she's still Hermione, and how it undermines mm. J.K. Rowling's entire like you know transphobic like life. Oh my god! Now. Oh my god! It does. <laughs> so, 
like I wish I could find the Tumblr post to like put it in the show notes, but just so you know, it's out there. Like J.K. Rowling, like despite everything like Harry Potter is that I discovered and made us do an episode about how horrible it is, she does like undermine her entire like current like life goal, which <laughs> makes her super unpopular. Like in her own writing, mm-hmm. in your Tumblr, huh. sometimes you have your moments. Oh, now I see, just based on this, where this conversation is going. And again, uh, this is what PCA is about because at a regular PCA, what happens is we all go out to dinner and we just kind of hang out and conversations like this happen. And then it might be a paper one day. So this might be a paper, it might be an episode. But in the whole brains and jars kind of conversation and milieu and everything, what do we do? Is there a difference between I am swapping my brain with yours and I am duplicating your body? Because here's where I'm weird about it. Right. Mm. right? I feel weirder about Wayne just to pick somebody. Right. Like if Wayne takes over my body and does like like has sex with it or does anything that I wouldn't want him to my body with that, that feels like a violation. If Wayne yeah. poly juices himself into an exact replica of me i'm kind of more okay with him doing weird stuff like <laughs> like and, and i don't know like like i feel like if i feel like if wayne clones my body and makes himself look like me and goes and has sex that's different than if he puts his brain in my body this is like a confusing dualism problem right it depends on whether you yeah. think your yeah. body and mind are the same thing or if you think your body and your mind are sort of floating separately like a gundam right so if you get knocked yeah, and out i'm not sure the case of where I duplicate myself, it's essentially I'm engaging in identity theft. If I put, right. my, brain, if I put my brain in your body, I am violating your body. Yes. Does yeah. reminds me of the problem I have with the lovely bones, although that's like the least of the problems I have with the lovely bones, which is now duplicate like tripling your problems with the lovely bones. Anyway. I feel like a clone could really mess up your life. Like, have you seen Living With Yourself? Yeah. Yes, I've seen parts of it. No. I've seen all of it. Yeah, that's no. I don't like either of those ideas. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying I like either, but I, I don't want either of them. Yeah, guess, yeah. I guess there's like, well, no, the, and well, the clone, the the clone problem is also different, right? Like the possibilities are, I swap brains with you, I Freaky Friday, and then I'm borrowing your body, and and that's a violation, right? There's the I change myself to look like you, which is something that we could do that with technology or just good makeup, right? Like single white female is a you know a very low sci-fi right. version of this, right? And then there's the actual clone where no one's stealing my body. It's just that there is a replicated version of me. And is that me? Is that its own being, right? Like at the point in which I'm cloned, like, you know, full cloning where I become two people, like in that Paul Rudd thing or in comics, the vision in Wonder Man, right? Like, you know, how much of you is me versus how much of you is your own person? Yeah, I like the politics of Star Wars. Back of the clones. Yeah. There's the third option, though, too, which is like that I just carry your head around because we do talk about like a lack yeah. of agency or autonomy that also feels incredibly violating by the sheer act of not having a body that feels almost mm-hmm. akin to the same way that you would talk about if uh, Wayne was inside Mav's body performing actions. It, mm. Something about them. In an unsexy way, yes. Yeah, something about <laughs> yeah. them feel <laughs> right. an, an equal amount of violating for people because there is a like, you are not able to touch. Maybe that's the, yeah. the distinction. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Carry, carry, carrying heads around going to be part of my Wiktiv book. It's, what a huge, are, it's a huge part. Sorry. What, one of the most interesting horror films I've seen in a long time goes into these questions about the body and the mind and 
Switching Bodies. Have any of you seen Possessor? Brandon Cronenberg directed it, and he's, of course, the son of David Cronenberg, mm-hmm. who, of course, body horror, like Videodrome, Scanners, all that. And mm-hmm. in this film, there is like a clandestine agency that with this, it, it looks like very analog technology, but they actually insert agents into people that they need to get close to assassinate somebody. So they use somebody close to who their target is, take over their body, and then assassinate whoever their real target is. And there's a really interesting, very trippy scene where eventually Andrea Riseborough, who is the agent, and Christopher Abbott, who is the person she's taking over, there's a scene where he is having sex or she is having sex, and one of them is wearing a mask of the other person's face while they are that person having sex with their significant other. And it's such a strange, it, there, there are layers of mirroring there and, and the whole question of one person, one gender living inside the gender of another person, but it's completely non-consensual as well. It's just, it's a very interesting, I think it's still on Hulu, but you have to watch the unedited version. For a while, there was only an edited version and it wasn't nearly as good as the original. And I have so many questions, right? So like, where does it become a pilot? No, well, I mean, this is again, you know, writing the conference paper as we go, right? Like, where does it become a violation? At what point am I, if I decide that I want to wear a blonde wig and have sex and just because like that, no one cares, right? Because we are like, oh, Mav's blonde now, right? How much do I have to emulate another person where to where I'm point, to the point where I actually am stealing their identity, right? Like if I just make myself blonde by wearing a wig or dyeing my hair, it's still me. If I wear a mask that is, you know, your face now, is it violating? Does it need to be a good mask? Like how good does the impersonation need to be to where it feels like I'm stealing some essential you-ness, I guess? Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it's a weird question, right? Because like when you said when you said a mask, my initial intent, and I've not seen this film, right? But like when you said it, my thought was like a really crappy plastic Halloween mask, like with strings. That's essentially, it's very bizarre. It looks like um, it's supposed to be Andrea Riseborough's face and it's a blonde wig. It, It has the same featureless expression as the William Shatner mask that's used in Halloween. Okay. So it's completely devoid. It looks very monstrous. And in that moment, if you have two people who are fighting over the same body, you do have that monstrous explosion of violence of somebody taking over somebody else's body, kind of like a parasite, and then Mm -hmm. you trying to expel that parasite. I can't stress it enough. It's a great film, especially if you like body horror, which I love body horror. It's not to everybody's taste, but, but it's very interesting. And I've been wanting to I've been wanting to write a paper about this movie and I haven't found my way into it because I always look for a way into something yeah. and and now I feel like I have my way into it. So I, so I want to pull on a connective thread that I think Mav is going to love mm-hmm. in Riverdale. There's the season <laughs> where they all wear the ridiculous yep. plastic Archie Halloween masks and yes. they're Ooh. videotaping each other committing like heinous, violent crimes. And so it's right. someone dressed up in like a Betty mask of Betty murdering somebody on video camera. And the right. and then it's dropped off at Betty's house and she watches it and she feels this like also she feels very violated. similar right. violation exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right but in that case it's, so that's exactly what i'm thinking now this is a like there's no intent to really confuse anybody it is a cartoonish mask of the person right it is a clearly fake thing 
but it's a it's an effigy of you and it's saying hey look i have you know i am in i am psychologically in your space i am psychologically doing something as you and, and that's like a violation there's right? a dehumanizing that's effect of right. that type of mask as well so is that better or is it worse than if you have the mission impossible mask where you really look like the you know i mean which we can't do perfectly in real life but yeah. like at the point at which your mission impossible in it what happens or i'm thinking what if it's not a physical masking right like there are like there are tons of people online who might you know identity theft a person by just like pretending to you know tweet as them or text as them or whatever right so i think that there's something terrifying about a mask that looks fake and you know that there's a real human face under there there's something yeah. duplicitous about it when i was a child i actually and I can't remember the name for it, but I had a phobia of masks. I could not be near them. I would like shield my eyes and I would have full blown panic attacks around masks. And I couldn't tell you why, but now I'm fascinated. There is a, I don't know if any of you watched the dropout, the Theranos Hulu series with Amanda Seyfried as Elizabeth Holmes. And mm-hmm. she plays Elizabeth Holmes as if Elizabeth Holmes is constantly wearing a mask. And there is a scene, it's a little on the nose, but I think it's effective, where she comes home to her secret partner and she is wearing a paper mask of her own face with the eyes poked out. So it's just, it's her real eyes peeking through this laminated mask of her own face. And it was such a chilling I was like, oh my gosh, this is a horror movie now. Like this is young, this is peak uncanny. This is because again, you have that she is being herself, but she's being a version of herself. And I think that's what scares us about masks is that it's people not being who they say they are, but who really is, you know, who really is that, you know? Two other ideas I've had while you've been talking about this are, are examples that muddy the waters on this topic. You have the recent Moon Knight TV series with dissociative identity disorder. Mm-hmm. And how, like, who gets to be in control of the body and what does that mean and who's, and, but they're treating them as both Steve Grant and Mark Spector as real people. They're just sharing one body. And also, Mav, you might appreciate this as well, Return to Oz. Yes. You have the mm-hmm. queen who can change heads. Mm-hmm. Each head is still the same mind. Like right. They're all it's the same. A, it's just an appearance. Yes. Yeah. Like, so the, all the heads are still the same person. So like, where's your identity there? Mm-hmm. And does it change if the heads are different? For, I mean, like the question of, the, I, I guess not, I, I really, you know, let us know in the comments if you really want us to do a show on this, because I really do want to work this out. What part of your body slash mind is you? It is a, you yeah. know, a ship of Theseus problem, if, if you will. Doesn't but like even. It's us like steel heads too. Like I think she takes other people's heads and then. She wants yeah. to take Dorothy's yeah. head, but what happens to Dorothy then? Yeah. Dorothy just dies, presumably. Like it's not, yeah, it's not a, it is a, yeah, it's a Game of Thrones style appearance stealing. You're still, you're very much still you when you're wearing someone else's head in, in Land of Oz or Return of Oz as the movie. Oh, that's a really weird question. <laughs> I do feel like taking somebody's head in a way that kills them is categorically different to a mask in terms of level of violation is one thing that I want to assert is if you behead somebody to death, that's a little worse than making a mask of their face. I think if I had to pick one to happen to me i'd rather someone just make mm. a mask of my face than like behead yeah, me. okay sure <laughs> so, so mav if yeah. i cut off your head well if i'm not if, you, if someone cuts off your head but your head is somehow still living uh-huh. and i'm carrying it around in a jar am right. i violating you what if i'm just taking you out so you can see the sunset yeah. <laughs> what if it's just your brain uh, yeah. to come full the circle brain, is the brain is the brain in the jar different than the head in the jar <laughs> 
it depends on if the, if the brain and jar is hooked up to some sort of sensory input. Because if not, it's right. just, you know. Yeah, Historically, yeah, Your the nose. brain in a jar tends to be depicted as one with more autonomy than the head in a jar. Yeah. So, so usually the, the brain in a jar is psychic in some fashion. Yeah, and the brain, brain jars have a lot of power. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting like this flashback to talking about brains on a stick. I feel like someone at BCA has mentioned this, and I'm sorry I have not cited your panel, but like I, I just remember someone saying we are more than brains in a jar or like brains on a stick. And thinking about like like you know, we're more like in a like grad even though I'm not a grad student anymore, like grad student ways, like we are more than our ideas. Like we are full-fledged human beings. So I don't know. I, I feel like the brains in a jar is also just like brains on a stick and like a terrible scary thing. Terrible scary thing. Yeah. <laughs> Has there ever been a brain in a jar that was good? I like a good person. Thinking of young Frankenstein. The like I'm also thinking about the villain and Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Also oh, not. Mojo, Mojo? Mojo Jojo. Yeah. 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 An episode oh, thank of, you for bringing up Harper's Girls. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> You're so which, welcome. Uh, Plankton puts SpongeBob's brain into a robot, but the robot won't cooperate because the robot is still SpongeBob. That is about the closest <laughs> to a heroic brain in a jar that I can give you. So, <laughs> is there like this rhetoric of like, if a brain is detached from a human that it's not good for there's that. There's a brain in the jar there's a brain what, in the jar in X-Men, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, yeah, no what's girl. She, yeah, yeah, no girl. She floats around, yeah. yeah. I think she actually okay. just I think her Cohen era just got a body. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, was, was a robot with a brain that was trying to become good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, well, going back to Doom Patrol, Robot Man Doom is, Patrol, a, yeah. is, is yeah. a brain in a robot body, and he's a good guy. An anti-hero. Better, right? Yeah. When he yeah. turned into a robot, so. Yeah. Well, there goes my, there goes, there's my thesis. It's gone. This is why yeah. I don't do comics. Yeah, there's, so there's, like there's, there's, there's the Brotherhood of Evil who are their main villains. Literally a brain in a jar. I wonder if that's some kind of metaphor where like yeah. the brain alone isn't good enough. You need like, you know, the metaphorical heart or something. Yeah. Yeah. The brain in the jar of the Brotherhood of Evil is carried around by a gorilla who was a quote-unquote gorilla fighter with a beret and whatever, mm. who Grant Morrison revealed was actually in love with the brain, so... I don't know what to do with that, Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, PCA. (laughs) Okay, I'm confused. I'm confused about that. The question is, did we solve anything? (laughs) No. Never. 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 Which is good for future episodes. So I I solved some stuff. I did some stuff since I last talked. Oh, go ahead. So like I actually made a talk, which was I thought like I thought it was good. And I'd like to be able to like show that talk because I practiced and it sucked. But then I went to my talk and then I gave the talk and I was like semi like articulate and fluent and like it was kind of crazy. So I'm hoping like that video is like somewhere that I can. On the YouTube channel, yeah. we can get it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look forward to seeing it. Because only like there were only of the four people who were on the panel, only three of us showed up. And so I fortunately like I went like double my time because <laughs> I only practiced it once. And I thought I like took enough stuff out to, to shorten it, but then I was still like double time. But 
it worked out perfectly because that other person never showed up. So we were completely on time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's hard. I mean, that's a weird thing with these, with panels is one of the, one of the problems I have with the way academia works is you have people who put a lot of thought into writing really smart stuff, right? Like, I mean, 20 and 30 page papers and you publish it in some journal that 10 people read. We've talked about this as a problem on the show, right? And then if you're lucky enough to hit a nerve where the general public cares about it, you know, maybe you show up in an NPR article or a CNN article or something, and then they condense your 20 or 30 page argument into 500 words. And then people will read that and then they probably say the wrong thing, right? Like there's, there's so much that happens in like, I've got people who have opinions on, I'm just gonna say COVID for say, where they're like, well, I, I heard this on, I'm gonna pick something really on, you know, in on Fox news is completely wrong. Right. But even if you hear it on some place that's trying to do it justice, like CNN, they're condensing 30 pages into two and like for regular people. And it's not the real argument. So like PCA as a conference, all conferences, if they're only going to give you 15 minutes, that's not a lot of time. 15 minutes is 15 minutes. I've never given a talk that was short ever. (laughs) Yeah, It's like 2000 words. It's not it's not a lot. It's you know, it's a five page paper when you're used to writing 20 pages. There's really I mean. Like I practiced mine and I wrote mine to be exactly 15 minutes, but I've done this, you know, a couple dozen times. And if you've never done it before, yeah, we usually a, have half an hour. There's a weird skill to it. So I spend, I'm kicking myself because the other night I spent like an hour and a half shaving off like five minutes from mine. Cause I was like, <laughs> oh, you know, if I, if it was a panel of three, I would have 20 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. and then but no, I shaved it down. It's fine. I made, I shortened my presentation. And then today, one of our panelists didn't show up. So I very well could have risked it mm-hmm. and gone with mm-hmm. my 20 minute presentation. Not that mm-hmm. it would have been any, you know, not that it would have knocked anybody's socks off. But in my brain, I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> they'll understand what I'm saying more if I had that extra five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It really does make a difference. It's so hard. But no one will ever be angry at you for going under. People no. will be no. very angry with you if you go like twice as much and you take up the spot of someone else. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the bonuses of providing an access copy, right, is you can get in your 20 page version as well and Mm -hmm. then give the 15 minute version to make more time for a conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also useful if you have a podcast. (laughs) You have a podcast where you can just post stuff on a YouTube channel. That's great. You know? I mean, the the entire reason I'm at PCA is because I was like, hey, guys, what if I told you about Darwin and the Eternals? And everyone was like, yeah, that sounds reasonable. And I was like, oh, no, now I have to write something. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We're not really here to, like, give the presentation. Like here to have the discussion that comes after the presentation and so then when that's the part that gets cut cut off like that's the part that i'm always disappointed about when people give the debate about whether or not to do it virtual or person usually the thing that they're upset about is because you're losing the common spaces or the discussion spaces Mm -hmm. because the thing that sticks around is the ability to talk but like I don't know. I can talk to anyone. I got like I got a podcast. Yeah. I got a mom. I got, like. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need like, to hear I, myself I personally, talk. <laughs> yeah, I personally prefer. I feel more comfortable talking on Zoom than I do like in a room with other people. I, I don't know. People. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely introverted. If you haven't noticed, but yeah, I, I'm definitely much more likely to engage in a conversation on a Zoom 
a Zoom talk rather than in person. I mean, Steph, I think I, Steph, I, I knew you for like five or six years before you do anything other than nod at me through the door. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> To be fair, like your visit, it was a scary environment. I do appreciate like what you did to make it less intimidating. And, and, and you and you know I'm teasing you. But. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I've ever told this story on the air before. But so obviously Wayne started working at the comic book shop I shopped at. So I was actually a customer there before um, Wayne started working there. But Wayne, Wayne was working at the comic shop, and uh, we became friends. And uh, if you're a comic book geek in America, you know Wednesday is New Comic Book Day. Stephanie, when we were dating before we were married, she was I, I guess you were probably working at CMU at the time. You yeah, might have still been a grad Pitt. student at Pitt. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, she but she was working. Her office was a couple of blocks from the store Wayne worked at. So on Wednesdays, like like I would come, I would get off work and not knowing when, you know, exactly when she was going to be done with work, I would just hang out at the comic book store. She would walk the two blocks to the store and then we'd have dinner somewhere on the street. And by walk the two blocks to the store, Steph would walk to the store and then knock on the window because she was afraid to come inside the building because the original store was... It was not, tiny. It was tiny, tiny and frankly, not the And it, it had like a high density of people that I didn't want to... Well, I was going to yeah. say, it, it, yeah. it was not the friendliest place in the world for women. I will say that. Mm -hmm. And and I will say to, to the credit of Wayne and the rest of the staff at Phantom, but Wayne especially, when you guys moved across the street, they moved the store, they moved the store directly across the street from the old store and they built a whole new space. And I remember for like a solid month, Wayne was like, have stuff come in. I want to, because she was supposed to be his litmus test. And, and, and it's like, and I was like, I just, I need to know a girl's opinion. She just makes stuff come into the, uh, in the store. And, 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 and like stuff's like, I don't want to go up there. It's, you know, because, and to, and I believe your acknowledgement was the new store is much nicer than the old yes, store. Yes, much better. <laughs> yes. Your place is to hide in that store. <laughs> Don't do that in the old store. <laughs> and by new store, I mean, it's been like the new store. This was. It's also much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's also much prettier. Yeah. yeah. So, in general, much nicer. Yeah. 14 years ago, the new yeah. store. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> but yeah, it, I mean, it, it goes on to, it, I mean, that's a microcosm story, but I mean, it's a PCA is the same way, right? Like you've been to many academic conferences and when, we're, when you're saying this one's friendlier, it's an attitude thing. It's an accessibility thing. I think what makes PCA friendlier than other conferences, whether those psychology conferences or like, you know, literature conferences or anything else is by very nature of what we're all writing about and studying about. It is on the outskirts. Like we're on the outskirts mm -hmm. of being an academic conference because we're not going to be talking about, I mean, I'm going to put Google in my world. F you in, in my world, you could talk about Faulkner or Dickens or Tolstoy, and you could be at a very hoity toity conference, right? Gertrude Stein, like any of the, the canonized, brilliant and sophisticated art, you know, writers. And, and I believe you could do the same thing if you were doing a cognitive psychology conference or if you were doing a history conference or anything, or you could go the exact opposite way. Monica, you've talked about like presenting at, um, at the conference that's actually inside of San Diego Comic-Con, right? Comic Studies yeah. Conference. It's a, it has an academic conference, but like no one wants to go to it, right? It's just about, because that's not the, like the people who go to San Diego Comic-Con, they want to see, you know, they want to go and hear Kevin Feige talk, not Monica, right? Like they're going there because they're looking for the big, let's, what's Marvel got to say, right? So when you're at somewhere like PCA, we're this weird niche of people who would, you know, 
I want to be able to say smart stuff about Batman. Please come listen to me. (laughs) And, you know, I will say I when I started presenting again way after undergrad, I was just applying, you know, sending abstracts out to a flurry of things. And I got the rudest rejection from and I won't say what it was, but it was a very hoity toity literature conference. And in hindsight, my abstract was not great, but it was just wow if they reject me like that like what do I have to do to be accepted and is it even worth it because would I want to be surrounded by those kinds of people you know like it just right and and I'm you know maybe I missed a bullet because you know I don't need my ego to be crushed I do that enough to myself on the day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I feel like I came to that realization like much too late. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a child so I could guide them better. <laughs> That's the reason. <laughs> Let's just rent one. So you yeah. can it. <laughs> instead of a child, or- just instead of a child, just get a brain in a jar. <laughs> oh, no. Much better, much cheaper. It, it makes you feel better. I only got into my like, act, like like my fields conference, like the big conference, one time, and it was because mm-hmm. I like tried really hard to like fit the theme, mm-hmm. and otherwise I just like danced around other conferences doing my weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've had similar experiences too, in like. The one time that I, there's the Costume Society of America and everyone wants to talk about like the clothes from the Gilded Age, like, or, you know, like it it has a sense of like only old clothes are worthy of costume studies. And so I wrote a paper about old clothes and the paper was fine. It was well researched. It was good, but I didn't have fun because it wasn't me. Like, like even Mm -hmm. applying all of the knowledge that I still apply to do comic studies, I didn't like it. I didn't have a good time. My career high is when I went to San Diego Comic-Con and I did a paper about the Dark Phoenix storyline and bondage gear. And some man in the audience said, I've been reading this storyline to my kids and we saw your talk on the program. And so we came specifically for this. And I was like, I'm going to question your parenting, but I'm also not going to question your parenting. (laughs) (laughs) The coolest thing ever happened to me. Like that was the moment where I was happy was because I was bonding over a thing that I love that felt true to me with another person. Like, and, and that's what scholarship is. Even though this was not a scholar, this was someone who was just at Comic-Con with their kids. Like, and that was a much more, I guess, worthwhile discussion to me because it felt more true to myself and true to my interests. I mean, this might be my career high, honestly. And I'm not even, <laughs> I'm not even in, quote, academia anymore. You're just like, I mean, you're literally, you've done probably more publishing now than you did when you were a grad student, just not at the thing that you and used to study. No, I mean, like, I, like okay, I, I published one article about Kant and Austin, which I think is actually pretty good. That article, but I'm just saying you, d- but Thank now you. you're doing stuff oh, constantly. Yeah, of well, course no. I read it. You're my friend. I mean, I, like, I, I, I mean, like, well, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I don't know that, because I'm not an Austin person, so I probably wouldn't have found it, but yeah, it was good. I mean, I like you. 
Well, like I, I say thank you because like, well, we don't need to get into this, but I, my family, my extended family was like, Hannah, what are you doing with your life? And I was like, oh, I just got accepted into a journal. And they were like, what about? And I said, Cotton Austin. Some of my extended family was like, well, that's boring. We're not going to read that. And I was like, I know you're not going to read that. You don't have to tell me that. They said that? Really? They said, yes. oh, man. Yeah. Sorry. And they're not going to listen to this podcast, so it's fine. I can say it. Okay. Thank you. The clear high in which I say this is that I told some of my coworkers who, you know, have no reason to care about me, but do thank you very much, coworkers, if you ever hear this. We're like, oh, this sounds really cool. We're interested in this. Please share your talk with us. And I was like, you know, even if you don't read, this is super nice and polite. And some of them read it and messaged me during the conference and was like, I really enjoyed this, Hannah. Thank you. And like, they don't like casually read Foucault and they still were like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, thank you. This is yeah. nice. This is what well, it's I, like I, to like be in a sport community. Anyway. That, that little bit of, that, yeah, that type of feedback. I posted this on Facebook this morning with my title, whatever. And, and you know, people who don't do academic conferences or, or whatever, who aren't into comics at all, like, that sounds so cool. Like, really? From that title, you think it sounds so cool? Thank, thank you for being supportive of this odd thing I do. Also, Wayne, thank you for telling me that Karen Gillian, like, wrote, like, Eternals. I've been, like, casually reading yes. and I've been like, oh, like, this is this is interesting. Like, not as interesting as I find, like, the movie. But yeah. still interesting. Anyway. I, and and you know, that theme of eternal characters who yeah. may or may not have been gods tying into a lot of the same themes in, in Wiktiv. There's totally. Somewhere along the line, there's a comparative analysis that needs to be done that I probably won't do. But well, you know, <laughs> We could do it together one day. We might yeah. well. Get your paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap the show up because we'll probably keep talking about this all night. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, I, I don't know how many of our listeners are still on because this, this is even for our show. This is a, obviously a chaotic episode because I design like it's weird because what what PCA roundtables are normally is I mean that's our show from week to week right like we stole the format so uh, when we actually do PCA I I wanted to be like well I can't you know it'd be weird to just do another round table. I was just on a round table literally 15 minutes before we went on the air. So like, yeah. so, so like, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, but I, I do want to mention that, you know, we, Mav and I participated in a round table on mouse, like an hour before we started recording this. Right. It's excellent. And, 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 thank thank you. You. And, and I signed on, I was the first person to sign in and the, the moderator was like so and you know, she you know, admitted like comics weren't her thing she was you know, young adult literature person and she didn't have much of an agenda she's like so how do we do this round table she says like do each of you they're gonna talk for like 10 minutes and then we open up the questions and i'm like nope it's probably gonna be a random discussion and i could see sort of her initial reaction was that felt really unstructured but it was you and me and two of our regular guests on this show. It was an episode of Vox Pop. Yeah, yeah. And, and I told her, I, I said, the four of us on the panel do this all the time. Trust me, we've got a topic. We will work for an hour. It will not be a problem. <laughs> Yeah, but, but but again, that's how we've done this. The reason John was our first ever guest was I went to PCA. So the first episode of, of Vox Popcast is we talked about origin stories and I went to PCA and I was like, I need a guest. John, do you want to do this? And I asked John because I knew that he'd be able to carry a conversation with me and Wayne for an hour because I've done that with John a dozen times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, And so we were, you know, that was fine. And I, I like that that's what the show is. So Yeah, you, you and I did this every Wednesday for 
20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yep. yeah. See, that, to, to be fair to me, like that was part of the reason that I was reluctant to go in. <laughs> uh, that sure sounds like we've resolved nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry for everything we've put you through. Stuff. <laughs> I have grown oh, yeah. to appreciate the media. I have to. <laughs> I do want to thank. Uh, I, want to, I want to thank everybody for showing up. B, yeah, if want to find great. out more. If people want to find out more about you, Fee, where, where would they follow you, learn about your work, or whatever? Oh, good question. I should get a blog like it's the 2000s again. For now, Twitter is <laughs> probably the best way. It's at F Stuart Taylor until we bring Live Journal back, and then I'll be like first one in. <sighs> <laughs> much of my much of the early post on my blog are just copies of what I what I ported over from my live journal, which I still have access to. So Oh, they really do still have it up. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure if they still had that. John, what about you? You can find me sometimes on I'm sorry, I blanked on my brother's podcast. It's been a busy week. <laughs> I, am, I am not editing that out. Yeah, the protagonist podcast. Uh, I also edited a volume on Superman adaptations called Adapting Superman, and Mav has an essay in there, and then a upcoming publication by the end of the year, Critical Approaches to Horror Comic Books, Red Ink in the Gutter from Rutledge. He'll be on before that comes out. <laughs> he will be. Yeah, he'll be back. Yeah. Anyway, that's a good thing. Yeah, but yes, linked in the show notes for the stuff we can follow for follow Fee and John. Maggie, what about you? So you can follow me on Instagram. I it's mostly pictures of my cat, but my handle is Franken Librarian. And I actually do have I'm gonna be presenting at StokerCon next month at the Anne Radcliffe Ooh. Academic Conference. I'm gonna be Ooh. presenting on Midnight Mass, um, like the good Catholic that I am. And I also have an essay coming out in a collected volume from University Press of Mississippi. It's called Encountering Pennywise, Critical Perspectives on Stephen King's It. And I talk about my favorite subject, which is body horror and abjection. So look out for that. Very cool. Very cool. And Caitlin. So I am a horrible millennial and I don't Twitter. Um, So you can't find me there or you can find my old one. I'm not on it, but I do have Instagram. It's my handle is the same name that I'm on here. So it's this dot is dot Caitlin. I also am a professional photographer, so you can just find me by Googling my name. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, we'll, that's we'll usually the it. easiest, um, but yeah. We'll link you in the show notes if people yeah. want to see your work. <laughs> Speaking of horrible millennials who don't who don't Twitter, Hannah. Wow. <laughs> love um, you, Hannah. I'm sorry. Okay, actually, let me not be presumptuous. Hannah, where would people find you? You know what? I mentioned it. So if you you want to read about Kant and Jane Austen, you can find my article in 18th Century Fiction. Mav says it's good. It is. Why it is, not? It's very good, actually. And so. Thank you. And theoretically, you can listen to what I have to say about Eternals of Darwin on next week's show. So, like, why bother trying to find me anywhere else? <laughs> uh, Stephanie, you were, I, I promised the last time you were on the show that you're like essentially an honorary co host because you're on. 
Right, so, okay. Um, if people wanted to follow you, how would they do this? Yeah. So I am on Twitter. I'm at, I okay. had to look it up. I looked it up. I, so looked it up. I was prepared. On her, Steph is literally looking yes. on her phone to figure out what her Twitter yes, handle is. Yes. My Twitter right handle <laughs> is Doc Steffi, D-O-C-S-T-E-P-H-I. That's why I can never remember it. And I <laughs> mostly complain about like bad posts, uh, hosting, um, game shows, but sometimes, but I think I will <laughs> like, I will do other things with it in the future. And I definitely want to like be able to link to my talk because like i said i'm really proud of that I'm really proud of that talk. <laughs> stephanie's twitter is literally so um stephanie started twitter to yell at a host of because this guy on like the local like h like this local like quiz show like high school quiz show he was the worst like, he would not read questions correctly he would not like say this like p- kids would not know what he was asking because he didn't read questions correctly so i would complain about him that's all i did on my twitter for like three years <laughs> So Steph, so Steph started a Twitter just to complain about this guy. And, and then it turns out after, I, I wasn't even year, like, like, well, no, Steph. And he was, didn't even see it that I had to like post all of my old tweets like all she, at once. She was yelling at this guy on Twitter, but like Steph made her Twitter friends only and then only friended me. So I'm literally I'm the only person who can read this. But I, I realized, I said, like I said, I realized that. And then now they're public. Now he knows how I feel. He's, he's actually not even hosting anymore. <laughs> The, the, the problem is he's reading all your posts wrong. <laughs> he probably is. <laughs> he's gone, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> Monica Marvelous. You can find me on Instagram or on Twitter. Uh, on Instagram, that is at uh, Marvelous L-O-U-S. And on Twitter, that is Marvelous at L-O-U-X, because somebody else got to the S first and won't surrender <laughs> the Twitter handle. And, and they're obviously not as marvelous as you. If we're going to no. plug something, I found out yeah. during uh, my panel today that my TEDx Boston talk is live. So check that out on YouTube. She found out for me. She mentioned that her talk, you know, it's like, oh, this will hopefully be up soon. And I'm like, I type in the chat. It's up now. I was like, <laughs> 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 so, yes, uh, link to the show notes. I will, say, <laughs> I will say on behalf because I forgot Andrew Demon, who was our who had to leave early because it was bedtime for his children. You could follow him on at Claremont Run, where he uh, has his Chris Claremont X Men project, which is very fun and very on Twitter. And he's also one of my two co-hosts on my other show, Gosh Golly Wow. So he is on a podcast every week where he talks about that. Huh. And Wayne, what about you? Social media. I, I'm a Gen Xer who doesn't use uh, any of the social media. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do have something to an upcoming appearance to promote. I can say this for next week because it's not for a couple of weeks. I'm going to mention it now and I'll throw the link on the board here. This is going back to the mouse conversation and hood and and that sort of thing. I won't be able to plug it next week because our show next week is probably just our presentation. But the Holocaust Center of Pittsburgh has partnered with Prime Stage Theater. They, Prime Stage Theater is doing a uh, stage play based on Sophie Scholl and the White Rose Resistance, which is one of the stories that I, I wrote in Hutzpah. And Marcel and I are, are doing a roundtable discussion on that. On right. Yeah, let me I keep losing my place. We'll link in the Yeah, and I'll paste the link in here. Yeah, I forget the date. It's Sunday after next anyway. 24th, I think. 
<laughs> All right, let's link in the show notes so people can check that out. And you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show, all those same places, at Fox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com, where you can find out what we're talking about next week, which is PCA again. But like, actually, next week is a chance to hear our talks and, you know, hear us. It, it should be really smart stuff. Hopefully, that'd be interesting. You know, I, like all the stuff that we've all heard already, you'll get to experience a little bit of what conference life is like if you enjoy the show and we certainly hope you do please subscribe to us on itunes or stitcher or spotify or wherever the hell you get podcasts from and do us a favor leave us a five-star review if you leave us a five-star review especially on itunes apple podcasts that gooses the algorithm makes us more popular really helps us out and we'll appreciate it especially on a show like this this is not what the show's regularly like but i really like the, the passive part of just kind of Get to relax and enjoy PCA, especially in Zoom world where we didn't get to do this in person. So I hope everybody sort of enjoyed me just basically doing what I could to recreate my favorite part of PCA. Um, like, get out of your room. <laughs> yes, get out. Um, I would like to thank uh, Maximilian of Thought for Music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out. Thank you, all of you, for joining us this week. Thanks, everybody. That was really yeah, interesting. Yeah, thank you so much. This was super fun. So I'd like to rethink all of my guests for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.